Hey, Magic fans. Today we have another episode of the Down the Road podcast featuring NBA Slam Dunk champion Mac McClung. We talk about the Slam Dunk contest, working with former Orlando Magic legend Jameer Nelson, and his time with the Lakers with LeBron James, Rajon Rondo, and Carmelo Anthony. Also, Magic fans, do not forget to check out our upcoming set of home games. On Thursday, November 30th, the Magic take on the Memphis Hustle for Magic Gaming Night presented by Florida Blue. The first 1,000 fans in attendance will receive a Magic Gaming shirt courtesy of Florida Blue. And on Tuesday, December 5th, the Magic take on the Texas Legends for Orlando Magic Night with the first 1,000 fans in attendance getting a pair of Osceola Magic socks presented by Advent Health and Rothman Orthopedics. Hey Magic fans, this is Matt McClung of the Osceola Magic. This is Brandon Williams. This is DJ Wilson. This is Admiral Schofield. This is Trevor Queen of the Osceola Magic, and you're listening to the Down the Road Podcast. Here we are today with the Down the Road Podcast. I am your host, Kamran Fulati. Today I have Magic Guard, Mac McClung. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule, Mac. Appreciate it. I appreciate you having me. No problem at all. I mean, all right, first, first things first, let's just go over the resume. So you have Big East All-Freshman Team. You have Big 12 Newcomer of the Year. G League All-Rookie. G League Rookie of the Year. G League Next Up Game, which is the All-Star Game for the G League, in case people are not familiar. Then we have a G League Champ. And then also Slam Dunk Champ. And then just as a couple days ago, Magic single game scoring record right that that's quite a resume you know i mean most people when they play basketball they never make it past their bitty ball team so are you happy with this so far yeah i mean i'm grateful i think that's that's cool to hear you say that um yeah no i never take for granted i play this game for a living i've got to play this far and you know obviously i'm super hungry to keep going but um no that's that's really cool and i appreciate you you saying those out loud <laughs> sometimes you kind of have to mac because i mean uh, you hear all the same stuff over and over. Hey, good game. You hear this. But it's it's cool to have that outside view, someone that doesn't know you, that kind of goes in, looks into those items, and reminds you, kind of brings you back throughout all that. I mean, mm-hmm. watching throughout your uh, high school games, all that kind of stuff, it's been fun looking into this story. And I did not know beforehand that your name is Matt. Well, it's Matthew. It's <laughs> not, it's, I've never, so it's weird. My dad's nickname was Mac and my mom was like, I'm going to name him Matthew. And my dad was like, well, I'm going to call him Mac no matter what. So everyone just started calling me Mac and it eventually ended up on my driver's license somehow. So, uh, yeah, I've only been called Matthew when I'm in trouble by my mother. So, um, I usually am alert if someone says Matthew. <laughs> what was the last time someone called you Matthew? Or what was the last time you actually went by it? Or if you've never gone by Matthew, like in kindergarten, you said, no, actually Mac. Yeah, nobody, I don't know why, everybody just knew it was Mac. No one's ever called me Matthew besides my mom. And if I'm in trouble or it's something serious, that's the last time I heard it with my mom. So so how many, just most people don't even know it's your name? Yeah, nobody really knows. I think when they figure it out, it's like a, it's a big shock to everybody. Yeah, that's cool. Definitely uh, did not know that one at all, but you're from a really small town. Uh, Gate City, obviously really important to you. The town is about 2,000 people. And uh, my high school graduating class had over 1,000 people. So I can never imagine being from a town that's only 2,000 people. Your school, when I was watching anything on it, um, it kind of looked like almost a fake movie in a sense. I just, the, all the tropes that are in there, small town, uh, basketball team star that's going to break out and do all this. Like, did you ever see Varsity Blues? You know what that is? It's, it's happened in the 90s. Or like, I, know, I know of it. I, have, I haven't sat down and watched it, but I know what you're talking about. That's kind of what it reminded me of. I mean, you just have this super small town. Everybody was here. And you have so much pride with them. 
And you wore the Gate City jersey in the dunk contest, which is so cool that you keep it along with you. Did they give you the keys to Gate City yet? They did. They had a presentation. They put my name on the court and they retired my jersey and they gave me a key to the city. So it it is like a movie. I mean, I'm 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 so proud of it because I'm grateful that I grew up there in a situation with the people there and how supportive they've been of me is just incredible. Like no matter where I go, where they're watching all the games and they're just man, they're just so supportive and uh it, it was cool kind of growing up from that background and living in all these big cities. Do you have to pay for a meal out there anymore when you go home and visit? Or they... I usually stay inside. What about? I don't go to many restaurants, but if I do, um, I, I try to pay just like everybody else. At what point did that happen where you try to stay inside when you go out there? Because, I mean, you were kind of a uh, kind of an online sensation mm-hmm. when you were in high school, and there's a lot of those that do happen, but most of them typically fizzle out. I mean, I'm sure you saw a lot of other kids that were on YouTube or people that were maybe not getting sports center like you were, but that were online sensations and they're not anywhere to be found in any kind of league anymore so was there a point in high school where you kind of stopped going out and being so social because it was taking over at that moment so in high school I never like I never went to one party or I didn't you know I didn't do anything outside of basketball really besides hanging out with my best friends like we go to movies and stuff but I would didn't go to one party what wasn't doing any of that and um kind of when I came back like even in college like you know you go places, you go to the food city and the grocery stores, like you get noticed. But once I came back this summer, I was like, okay, I got to be pretty like yeah. selective what I do and, and where I go. Yeah. I mean, you get put on a big stage, uh, me being a diehard NBA fan, already knew who you were before the dunk contest. I know a lot of other people may not have found out the name Matt McClung, but you pretty much became a household name overnight, which is wild. Just, I mean, I can't imagine a world switching like that. I mean, it's kind of what you anticipate if you go into pros and and into a sport and you actually do become pro you anticipate something like mm-hmm. that to happen but not that quick usually it's some something gradual if you're not the number one pick in the nba draft right but it was nothing gradual about it it was you're been in the league for a little bit the g league you had a few 10 days beforehand you played the bulls you played with the lakers we'll get to all those points in a minute but one last question about gate city while we're still on the topic mm-hmm. is there at like the local diner a mac item on the menu do they, do they have like a Mac, Mac and cheese? Is there any kind of Mac milkshake or anything of that nature? Has anyone tried collaborating with you in Gate City yet on that? I don't think so. I heard something somewhere. I don't think it was in my hometown, but I think it was close to my hometown that there was something and I totally forgot what it was, but I don't think there is. That would be cool. That would be cool to do this. Is there a restaurant that you go to when you go to Gate City? So like, that's like your, like, what's like your restaurant you have to go when you go home? I do always go to La Coretta. It's this uh, Mexican restaurant. Um, doesn't matter. Whatever it is, I'm going to go back there with the friends and just enjoy a good time. Are you going to pitch for them to put in the Mac item on the menu now? Hey, I'll. I, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. I'll try. Instead of queso net, we macked it. Oh, wow. There you go. I don't know if I've, I've heard that yet. <laughs> the best appetizer there is. So talking about this, we have other sports you've done. You've done snowboarding. You've done football. Basketball is the one that sticks. What else do you enjoy? You enjoy golf, right? Yeah, so I just got into golf this year. Being TQ Go uh, just about probably once or twice a week, uh, we really enjoy going. And um, yeah, no, other than that, I love to read. I love like poetry, music. I've been writing both of those and just kind of just trying to be creative in other aspects of my life. 
What do you read typically? Is it just poetry or is it like, oh no, it's all types of stuff. Uh, a lot of self-help books though. A lot of, um, right now I'm reading Chop Wood, Carry Water. I got that from KT actually. So just, uh, you know, a lot of the books I've had are recommended by other people and friends and kind of have like book clubs where you share books and stuff. So yeah, um, really just anything that, that comes up. I'm a, I'm a big reader myself. My wife is a super reader though. She's read like 50 books this year. That's not an exaggeration. Okay. She's in the forties right now. Mm-hmm. But I am only at like number three. I used to read so much more, not as much nowadays. Mm-hmm. But three books, still three more than a lot of other people in years. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. Like it's, that's amazing. So golfing, uh, you're in the golf capital kind of the world, I would think, Orlando, Central Florida. I mean, you have every golf resort out here that you could think of. Do you have any favorites yet or do you and TQ just try to hit something different every time? So we've we've went to different places almost every time. Uh, we've went to uh, Rio Grande, I think is what it is. Like, I don't I feel awful if I pronounce it wrong. I uh, golfed like twice in my life. Yeah, we went there a couple of times. They have great food, great great course. So we're not too good. We're we're practicing this our first year, really getting into it. So we're kind of like that's why I think we enjoy going together. That we both are not very good, but um, kind of makes it fun. What about going to like a driving range? Is that kind of like your thing, like a top golf or anything like that? We we go to those on the road as well. We go and play, and uh, yeah, no, we we had the whole team come out last time with us, so it was a lot of fun. So for another future episode, we should make a series of me, you, and TQ doing a round of golf. I will be the worst because I am. No experience, really. Just went one time like 10 years ago. Right. So we can go ahead and do that. And it would be like a kicking it with Mac, TQ, and Comrade and just kind of have a fun outing about it. Maybe uh, wrap something around it and have a good time. I, th- I think that'd be kind of cool. I don't that's know if perfect. it would. Yeah, that sounds like a great time. It could be in a magic expense. So not this costing any of us. That makes it even better, right? Definitely. Right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. There we go. <laughs> Um, do you still go snowboarding when you go back home or anything like that? So actually the snowboarding was a one time thing. Oh, wow. One time. <laughs> and I broke my wrist and I never did it again. Never again. It was like on a makeshift snowboard. It wasn't even a real one. I think it was like a brown bag or something crazy. And, uh, it did end up well for me. So, so you didn't go snowboarding, you went brown bagging. I went something. Yeah. It was like a cardboard box kind of. And then how did that love from football change into basketball? Because you were primarily a football player before you ever, you didn't touch basketball until middle school. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. No, I loved football. That was my first love and my dad played. So I wanted to be like my dad and play football. And, and I still love it a lot. You know, a lot, a lot of times in my life, I'm like, what would have happened if I, you know, stayed to football? Like um, my parents and friends always say like, I would have been a better football player. So, um, no. Kind of hurtful. No, I mean, it was something I put a lot of time into, you know, like I do basketball. Now that's how I was with football, like with route ready and stuff. So I, um, you know, I still love it. But when I was in about eighth grade, the high school coach uh, talked to my mom right in front of me. He's like, Matt can be good at basketball. And, you know, when you're in seventh, eighth grade, uh, coach says, they're like, oh, man, I tell all my friends, like, hey, he's going to be pretty good. Like, I should, you know, I started playing and I just fell in love. It was such that small town, that community was so good that I was like, man, like I want to be a part of this really bad. And it really wasn't about like, when I first started playing, it wasn't about the NBA. It was like, oh, win a, win a state championship for this coach right here. Yeah, I you know. And from then on out, I just fell in love with like the creativity and just like trying to be unique and trying to be a certain thing that I haven't seen. And um, and then I just fell in love. So 2,000 people in the city of Gate City. Does everybody make the team? <laughs> Middle school and high school. Because I don't know how many people are actually even in like... How many people were in your graduating class in high school? Yeah, I'm not sure, but there's there's kids who come from different counties, though. So I think there was around maybe like 
160 or so just because kids wow. would come from other places but um no it, it i think i think most of the people like that were on the like third grade team were on the high school team you yeah know I mean? like they just keep going up and this the team stays the same that's what that made it so great though like it was all of our best friends just playing basketball together, so it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I definitely felt bad when I had uh, coached middle school basketball for a little bit and having to cut kids because, like I said, the schools were just so big. Mm-hmm. I went to middle school and high school with a uh, former slam dunk champion, uh, Glenn Robinson III. Okay. So he was a grade below me, and, uh, I mean, even though our schools were much bigger, still cross mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So not quite only 160 kids, but, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. That's- all right. Family's extremely athletic. Your dad played football, as you mentioned. Your mom was cheerleader. Uh, your sister played soccer at Florida State. And then your uncle, Seth, was also an MLB pitcher that played with the Tampa Devil Rays. Mm-hmm. So is this everybody in your family is just uberly athletic? You guys all kind of jocks, no matter what, by nature? Very competitive family. I think uh, the my dad's sister actually played in the Canadian uh, Olympics on the hockey team. So she... Uh, she probably had us all beat, but um, yeah, just uh, just that's I think what kind of made me uh, competitive and growing up around like certain principles and seeing how my sister worked out and how my dad like how disciplined he was with his life and it was just like oh man like this is kind of the precedent. Was it ever like re- did you have a relationship with your uncle who was also a professional athlete? Yeah, um, I, I we didn't live. He lived in Florida actually. He lives in Tampa, so uh, that was a lot far from us. Yeah. But, um, you know, see him at all the family gatherings and would go visit him, watch him play. And um, he was incredible. He was like a kind of like a 12 year old sensation, you know, around the area, just being so like advanced at his age. And um, no, it was cool to see him, someone make it from the family, you know. I imagine just having that in, entire family around you where they've all competed at a high level. Your mom was a collegiate cheerleader, your sister, collegiate athlete, your father, collegiate athlete. Even though they may not have been professionals, there still is a very high level of professionalism when you're doing anything at that high of a level. So was there a lot of advice that they gave you that was very useful for you as you were transitioning to becoming a professional? Yeah, most definitely. I think um, I've always been a person that learned through experiences. You know, I always thought like, you know, I'm going to be different and you know, I'm going to do different than my sister did and I'm going to be like this and I would have to learn like, okay, this is good, but take this part out and... Um, so I was like kind of rough around the edges that way. Like I wanted to learn myself, but, um, I definitely learned the competitive and the work ethic from them, you know, and that was something that didn't really need to be said. It was just showed every day, like Mm -hmm. seeing my sister wake up every day, like, you know, do two, three workouts a day. Like, you know, your high school girl, like you have tons of things, your friends and stuff. And she just made that her priority. And, you know, I think, you know, that was very inspirational to me and maybe caused a lot of jealousy too. You know, it was like, oh, she's so good. Like, I wish I could be like her. And. Uh, just kind of helped me a lot. I mean, yeah, to do anything like that, you do have to put in the hours. Anybody that you know, I mean, I think you can see the difference when you're growing up is that, all right, well, you put in this many hours. I don't know how much the 15th man or however many 10th man on your high school basketball team put in, but you saw the hours your sister put in. Yeah. And you saw how great of a level she got to. And then when you come to the league, whether it's NBA or G League or even college, everybody else putting all those hours too. And that's where the equalizing lines start coming out and you're on a more even playing level. It's harder to drop 50 points and instead you only drop 44 now. So, but, but you kind of see that part level out. I mean, was there the biggest shift was, was it from high school to college or was it from college to playing professionally? Where did you see the biggest shift in, in the playing field where you felt more equalizer and it's more difficult to get everything that you want? 
I think um, my journey was probably harder from high school to college because I was playing in such a small area and, you know, I wasn't playing against the best players and mm -hmm. I didn't know, I didn't really know basketball at all when I went to college and, you know, I was a guy just kind of score first and that's all I really was about and I had to adjust and when I came to the pros, like I was older, I felt more mature and, you know, I'm type, if I'm around information, like I'll like try to get it from everybody and, you know, just soak it all in from as much as I can to learn as fast as I can. And I felt like once I got to the pros, I was like, oh, I have all these, like, I have all these things I can learn from. And I just like soaked it up quicker than I think I did in college, where college there's 25 different things going on. You go to class, you go here, you do this. And um, so I would say definitely surprisingly, um, the pros were kind of an easier um, transition. transition for me. Yeah. So you learned after high school that you aren't the system, that you have to play in the system? Yeah, I never thought, I never, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I ever came in anything thinking I was, was, uh, was the cat, like the main thing. But, um, yeah, no, it was definitely an adjustment. Had to actually learn the game. You couldn't just rely on the natural gifted, talented part where mm -hmm. you can get anything you want because you're playing against high school players and they may not have the work ethic or the talent that you did. And then, like you said, yeah, once you get there. Right evened out and then you have to actually learn wait this is what a play this is what the play is this is what the defense is because mm -hmm. once again like i said when i coached i could tell the kids what the defense is all day and that never happens never happens come game time they don't know how to do it anymore right right and, and i mean that's just how it is you know everything's out the window when you step foot on the court you can practice for anything and you know you have to learn from what you do in the game mm-hmm so family went over that now we talk about spreading like wildfire across the g league Year one, you come in, you get rookie of the year. What was that experience like knowing that when you took it to the professional level, like, wow, I'm here and I'm here to say I, I could compete with these guys because there's a lot of players that do go to the professional level and when they get there, they realize that maybe they can't keep up or sustain that career for quite some time. Yeah, I think um, my confidence was always there when I came to the, you know, the NBA level just because I knew like even if I wasn't there, I was going to work harder than anyone and uh, to be there. You know, I was going to spend more time on figuring it out than you know, when anyone else was. And I kind of adjusted in that first year. I, uh, man, I was lucky to be put in a great situation to grow as a point guard. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Miles Simon was such a good coach. Coach EM kind of took me under his shoulder. So, um, man, I felt a lot of growth that year. I feel like that was my biggest year of growth. And, uh, no, it was crazy to to win that with you know all the two ways and everything, and I eventually ended up on a two way that year. But yeah, um, that was that was very proud uh, moment for myself for your Lakers year, right? Yes. So how many players do you hear say that that oh well you know I know I'm gonna outwork anyone else when I go to the NBA? And I'm sure because I hear everybody say that At every interview I've ever done, mm -hmm. they all tell me that. Yeah. Now you hear everyone say that. How many people do you actually see truly do it? Everybody talks about it, but how many people are actually doing it? Like when when you see it, about half the team maybe, or is it more than half, or is it more just we say it, but we don't actually do it? I think people work differently. I think there's different types of work. You know, like when I'm saying like I'm going to work harder, not that I'm going to be on the court longer. Like when I go home, I'm going to meditate. I'm going to read. I'm going to like, I'm going to help myself grow as a person. And like all that trickles down to like success. And I know that like, every like almost breathing moment of my life I'm trying to be better in other ways so it's like you know I think there's very few people you meet and you're like oh this person like will do anything in the world to make this happen you know what I mean yeah. I feel like I'm I personally feel like that's how I feel about the game so um 
you you notice those people pretty quickly, but it's I think it's more rare than not. But you know, a lot of people, everybody's working hard. Yeah, in the in the pro level, like everybody can can put the work in and has discipline. But um, you know, discipline off the court. What you eat? Are you working hard on what you eat? Are you working hard on what you intertwine with? What conversations you intertwine with? What relative that's going to call you and put bad energy into you saying, "Oh, you need the ball more." Like, no, I don't. Like, you know, like it's it's. It's everything. How you do anything is how you do everything. So I think really the biggest thing for me is like just being careful what I entertain with like, you know, platonically, romantically, like just everything is discipline um, for for getting better. Yeah. Isn't it funny how often people that have never been in your shoes think they know more about the game than you do when they tell you, oh, you need to have the ball in your hands more often. And it may be someone that's never played basketball, but... Mm -hmm. You know, you have your coach out here who's looking for the best interest for you, best interest for the team, looking for the best interest for everyone to succeed. I mean, it's mm -hmm. how the G League is. Everybody wants everyone to get called up. I mean, I'm waiting for the day that you get called up and it's a, hey, Mac, congratulations for your call up. Hey, Mac, congratulations on signing your two-way. Or, hey, Mac, congratulations on getting your deal for the rest of the year. Right. Yeah, I think, like, that's the thing, too. People are like, oh, like, you know, you put up 44 points, you should be in the NBA, like, do you think when I go on an NBA team, like I'm gonna have that same role? Yeah, that's not what's gonna happen. Like when you say, "Oh, you're shooting 45 percent from three and you're making the right play every time," then you're like, "Okay, yeah, that doesn't make sense. That's why I should be in the NBA, not because oh, you put up." I've been doing this for two two years now, you know, and it's it's not about the points for me. It's about like winning too. Like that's a principle I've tried to show people. That's what I do, and I help teams. But um, yeah, you know, it's hard. You can't you can't spend your time explaining everything to everybody all the time, but. You just take it with grace and, you know, I love you. I love you, but I got to go. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So you have South Bay. That's your first team you go to. Um, you get in there and you go to the Lakers, which, I mean, for a anybody that goes in any sport to ever play for a team like the Los Angeles Lakers, it has championships. It has legacy, everything written on that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there's been 4,000 people to ever have donned an NBA jersey and actually play in a regular season game. Mm -hmm. And it's just wild for you to think 4,000. I mean, that's pretty much how many people are in Gate City. Like, <laughs> take that twice and that's where it is. Yeah. And you're one of the few to ever get to do that. Where was your first starstruck moment? Is it going to practice and seeing LeBron and AD and then kind of absorbing how they work? Because at that point, obviously you're the 16th man maybe at that point mm. and you go in but you have the opportunity to see those guys work yeah and that has to be invaluable that was very very valuable to me um kind of just when I first got there you know you I'm from Gate City Virginia so like I don't I've never seen a celebrity in my life so <laughs> I go and you know you see LeBron James and uh, that was the year with Carmelo Anthony uh Rajah Rondo and Wild. <laughs> just Hall of Famers yeah. all over you. I mean, yeah, it was, not many young kids get to do that. Right. And I was definitely grateful. And I like, I wanted my mind to be like, oh, I'm here to compete and stuff. But like, there was moments where, you know, the first team meeting we had, I'm like, and I feel like I'm in like a video game right now or something. Like, <laughs> but I think the biggest thing I took from those guys was like, you know, we were in the film. I've said this story before, but we were in the film room and I was like, you know, I wish we could just go out there and play. You know what I mean? Like, I wish we could go and, it's like it's you know about an hour two hours and like you know LeBron and Rondo are still like pointing here and talking about if this came here I'm like man like the discipline they have like just uh, in the film room and every detail what they do whether it's something you don't really want to do or something you do and I was like man like everything about this game like I got to grow into you know have a chance and that was very inspirational for me. Yeah, it makes it seem like a no-brainer why they're Hall of Famers when you're actually around them at the moment. You know, some people think that all you do is just go out there and play basketball. Right. Right? 
they don't realize how many hours of your life truly go into it and not just the dribbling factor and not just the shooting factor. Yeah. Put up a thousand shots. Everybody puts up a thousand shots. Right. How many people, like you said, sit there and dissect a film like that? Mm -hmm. Just so wild. I can imagine being a pro and sitting next to them right off your first team. You earn that two way. And what was that feeling like? Just knowing like, hey, I'm in the NBA now. I mean, the G League is the NBA, but it's not quite that level. You're not on the private team plane with everybody else. Now now you're up into a, a private plane. What's that experience like going from, I, I don't know how you traveled when you're in Texas Tech. I don't know how you travel when you're in Georgetown. I know how you travel when you're in high school. And I know how you travel when you're in the G League, yeah. which G League has gotten much better. I mean, compared to when I started falling in love with basketball about 15 years ago, when I yeah. did those stories compared to what it is today, oh, night and day. So what is that difference like? like? What are the other things you're absorbing when it's not just the basketball moments, but it's the everything moments when you're there? Yeah, I mean, so that year kind of like, that was my rookie year. I got two call-ups to the, the Chicago Bulls. Uh-huh. And so, you know, I was playing really well. I was having a great stretch. And I was like, man, like I, I know I can play in the NBA. And, you know, I got that call-up to the Bulls. And, you know, I told my mom, like probably two, three weeks before, like I was playing really well. I was like, I'm going to get called up. But let's 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 in, let's let's act like that's already happened. Let's enjoy it now. Let's have the feeling that it already happened. I want you to accept how it happened. So once we get the call up, I'm ready. I'm focused. This is all about business. Like this is all about. And I got the call, and it all just went out the window. Like just emotionally, you're like, I call my mom. Hey, mom. Like I called the NBA. Like I'm gonna go to the Bulls. And you just like catch yourself, tears going down. Like you work so hard for it. Like no matter how hard you wanted to prepare and be like, hey, it's time to get to work. You're like, wow. Like you know, this is something I've put my whole life into doing. And um, and then yeah, I got rewarded with the two way. So. Um, yeah, that was a great first year to end on and, you know, got to play some games and, you know, it's like you get a, you get a little taste, but you just want more, you know what I mean? You, you feel like you belong and you just want a situation where you can, you can keep going with it. I mean, there's so many players that do get 10 days, mm-hmm. but there's not a lot of players that get with three different teams where they get multiple two with 10 days, multiple two ways. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time it's just, here's your one, two way contract and you're out. Yeah. And that's that, or here's your one 10 day and you're out. Mm-hmm. And then you come in here, you play four games and you're breaking our single franchise scoring record. But even that aside, you're playing really well in every aspect. Like I said, I watched the first preseason game we did that was closed off. And I said, wow, he can do a lot. It's like in 2K status, you have bailout Hall of Fame. I, I can't believe how long you sit in the air when you have the ball and you realize you don't want to take that shot. And you're going to make a good pass still. It doesn't make sense. It's one of the things when I'm playing NBA 2K and I see someone make the pass and I say, hey, that's bull. That pass would never go in real life. I don't care what pro it is. And then you're doing that. So you're doing all these other contributing factors to make sure your team is winning. Mm -hmm. So I just would have to think it's going to be a matter of time before it happens again. And you sit through that process. And how do you mentally prepare and hope that this is what I want out of this season. Do you have like a big overarching plan for the season as you're coming in? Um, I do. I mean, my goal is always to play in the NBA, but it's also really important for me to be present. Like, uh, you know, off this book, it's like if one eye's on the on on the finish line or on the on the NBA, like then only one eye's on this present moment. So I try to keep two eyes right here, and it's just so important to me. Like Osceola is so important to me to like you know grow as a player each day but also being prepared. Like, hey, if I go to this team, 
or this gets called up, like, this is how I'm going to play. Like, that's how I play every night. I try to make the right play. I'm not trying to play hero ball. I'm not trying to do that. So it's like when I go to a situation, I want them to know, like, hey, you're getting someone you can trust. And uh, I believe I'm that person. I know I'm that person. So it's like I think a lot of it's opportunity and being in the right situation, you know, where things got to happen, where it helps you fall into place. But um, I know in God's timing, I think it will. Yeah. So last year you spent some time with uh, Delaware. And their assistant GM is a uh, beloved Magic whole Magic Hall of Famer. Not yet. We're, we have a Magic Hall of Famer. I don't know if you know about it or not. Mm-hmm. He will be in there one day. I don't know which year it will be, but we, we know he will. He spent 10 seasons with us. And that's Jameer Nelson, uh, another short point guard that came from a smaller school in reality uh, with St. Joe's and phenomenal NBA career. I mean, that's a, that's a guy that you would want to learn everything from. How was it learning from him? How often was he involved with helping you in developing your game, not just being a GM? I have no idea how he operates in this role. So, yeah, Jameer, he um, he was the type of guy. He was at every practice, but he he was the type of guy when he said something, everyone listened. And for me, like, when he would talk to me, I knew it was very important um, and something that he saw that I could grow in. And he, like, he would talk to me after games and after situations that he thought I could change and I could do this differently. And, um when he talked, I definitely thought it was very valuable. And he's a super high IQ guy, as you guys know. But um, he was just a delight to be around, to be honest. And someone, you know, I look up to as a small guard. And, um, you know, his high intelligence and his impact on the game, for sure. That's awesome. That's great to hear. I mean, it's the reason why I fell in love with basketball with Shamir Nelson. Oh, wow. And so I've always looked at him at during all of his phases, all of his post-game interviews, always loved it. And just seeing, even though he may have been – the third option on our team. I mean, it was a phenomenal team that we had at the time for him, but being third option on it, he was, everybody always said he was the captain of the team still, even though Dwight Howard was putting on this Hall of Fame career during the time frame. Rashard Lewis is all-star, Hito Turk Lewis here, but that guy was still the captain of the team. And it doesn't always show that you have to be whoever's putting up the best stats to be the actual leader. And then you always hear that Stan Van Gundy saying that Jameer is ready to be a head coach right now if he wanted to. And so I can imagine for someone like you to have that and hearing you speak that high of them, mm-hmm. it just makes me happy inside to know that. So when they tell you with Philly that you're going to be converted to a two-way, how exciting was that? And how does the dunk contest even get presented to you? Yeah, so it was funny. Um, the dunk contest was my guy Chuck. He works he works with the dunk contest and helps the trainers kind of – or the dunkers. He trains the dunkers. So – he called me at the beginning of the season, like, hey, you, like, might be in the dunk contest this year. And I'm like, okay, like, what? Like, like I'm not in the NBA. Like, what are you talking about? And he, um, he like, called me back, like, weeks later. He's like, ah, oh, they're not going to do it. I'm like, okay, yeah, I don't think that made sense anyway. Yeah. And then, like, uh, you know, maybe, like, maybe a month before All-Star break, he's like, hey, you're going to be in the dunk contest. I was like, what is going on? Like, this is crazy. And I called my parents, like, hey, they want me in the dunk contest. And I was like, I better start practicing. And so I just, like. I really locked in on like just trying to figure out new dunks and, you know, calling my friends every day, you know, trying new dunks every day and, you know, staying after practice, just like working on my athleticism. So it was stressful, but probably one of the most fun things I've ever prepared for. I was going to say, so when you come up with your dunks, do you, where do you, where, what avenues are you going on? Are you going on YouTube and trying to see other cool dunks and seeing how can I take this and make my own variation of it? How are you practicing it to make sure no one's going to tell anyone what you want to do with it? Is it, is it a secretive? in closed practice when you're doing it or is it just something you're doing after after normal practice and you're just going up with one of your teammates 
Yeah, no, it was definitely the funniest part was like, well, like you said, yeah, I was on YouTube looking at like, you know, dunks that haven't been done before. And then I would go do the dunks. I'm like, well, what if I tried this and just try to like think my own way. But um, yeah, it was funny. I would send it to all my best friends. I have like four best friends. And one of them would be like, oh, I love it. That's great. And one would be like, I don't know if that's good enough. So I'm like, I don't know. Like by the time we got to the end, it was like everybody was 50-50 on each dunk. So um, I'm glad it worked out. Honestly, yeah. it was a relief. It's really tough to go out there and invent dunks. I mean, I'll tell you my favorite dunks on a dunk contest. You tell me any of your former dunk contests that you've watched, which ones have been like your favorite? I mean, I think the the Zach Levine and Gordon is the best one by far. How do you feel about that turnout? Uh, honest. It's tough, man. I mean, it's like if I think Aaron Gordon did dunks that were like better than a 50, you know what I mean? But it's like, you know, Zach Levine's dunks were just as, you know, uh, as special in a way and they were they were 50s too so it was like who had the most dunks is what it kind of went down to but it was just instead of like saying the good or bad I think it was just incredible witnessing it and being so much fun watching that dunk yeah. contest I mean uh Zach just taking off from the free throw line all the time and just yeah. putting in a new variation every time he takes off from the free throw line amazing and then Aaron just pulling off some dunks that we've never seen before incredible. I don't know if we'll see again I mean to me that was just as uh Cool as when Vince Carter does the honey dip to his arm and mm-hmm. rim, you know, and one of the most memorable dunk contests. Have, have you ever tried seeing a dunk at a dunk contest and saying, hey, I, I want to try this one? Have you tried emulating any? Like, even before you ever did the dunk contest and you're just in high school and you're messing around, or was it more so just, I'm just doing what comes natural? I think I, I think I just, maybe I think I have. I've just seen them and tried, maybe in high school, but um, nowadays I just save my legs and wait until like some off days or something. But, um, yeah, no, I definitely, I'm, I'm sure I have. I can't think of like certain ones, but I'm sure I've seen stuff and, and tried it for sure. Yeah, I mean, you're you're a pro now. You don't want to take a risk of injury when you're in high school. Yeah. You're not thinking of that. You're getting you're immortal. You're you're an 18 year old kid. Nothing can stop you with you. So it's, it's much different than when your career kind of lands on it. You want to throw up a dunk and then anything happens just because you're messing around mm-hmm. outside of practice. So the team, I see a lot of cool shoes. I like your shoes a lot, man. Okay. So who do you think has the best shoe game on the team? I mean, I, I, I got to say it's Puma. And <laughs> I, I can't. I definitely am not going to shout out any other brands. Um, so shout out to Puma. They have been incredible to my family. And, you know, it's, you know, I get shoe deals happen and stuff, and I'm grateful it happened to me. But just who they are as people, just everybody I've met in that, um, in that business has been incredible, and I appreciate them for sure. That's so awesome. So we're going to wrap up with a few more things here before I let you go. Have your own free time. Do whatever you got to do, Mac. But I, just because it's so exciting, like I said, it's only four games in. You've already broken our single franchise record, which is wild. I mean, your fourth quarter, I don't remember if you had 18 or 14. Do you remember? Was it 18 or 14? I don't remember. It was one of the it two. Was a blur. No, it, that, it was a blur. You know, we were down 26 in the third quarter. Uh-huh. What happens? What changes that makes it to be... You're going to fire off for, I, I, gosh, and I'm so upset that I don't remember the number. I think it's 18 fourth quarter points. I'm very confident it's 18 fourth quarter points, which is insane. I, it was everything you're, you're shooting is just going in. I, I mean, you went three in a row, I think, of just hitting these deep threes. Do you have any memory of the game at all, or is it all just a blur still? Or have you gone back? Have you watched film on it to see yet? 
Yeah, I watched some film, not really about like the the fourth quarter comeback, but the the stuff prior that was while we were down. So oh, yes. yeah. That's the stuff that Coach Murphy is going over. He doesn't care that he came back in the fourth quarter. He wants to know why you let that happen in the first place. Yeah, exactly. But I think it, it was a it was a, a switch flipped right soon as um soon as we got in that fourth quarter. Like, hey man, like this is who we're gonna be this whole season. Like, are we gonna fight or what? And Man, we got some dogs on the team, and it was everybody was making shots. Everybody was making key plays on defense, and man, like I don't know if I've been a part of a game that was like that crazy. Probably coming back from tw- now twenty six, but it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was super wild. A ton of fun to watch from our end. I mean, we're all standing there jumping up and cheering as if we're the guys in the game, mm-hmm. going over that. And then uh, the best part was when I called you afterwards. You're like. Is this is this the Osceola record? Is this Lake Clinton? Oh, yeah. How silly would that be? Yeah, you, you broke the record that you set the day before. How does it feel to, <laughs> to break this brand new record over again? And we'll call you again next week. That's but, funny. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was really silly to hear that part, but I I get it. You wanted to confirm and say, is this actually something special, or is it just the franchise has been around yeah. four games? And the last one went by Andrew Rousey. You said you kind of know him a little bit. A little bit. Um, I just I used to watch him when he was in the Big East. I played in the Big East, and you know he was a great player. And yeah, no, that's that's funny that he did that. And I think it'll be broken this year by somebody else too on our team. I think a lot of guys are capable, and uh, I think it might be broken a couple of times by Brandon or TQ or DJ. Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, I, that's really nice of you to say that. It's a very humble person right there. It'd be that nice to say, you know what, yeah, it's cool and all. This record's only stood for three years. and mm-hmm. But, I mean, next week it's gone. I mean, uh, You'll see. I'm <laughs> telling you, man. You got some scores on this team. Oh, I, I, I've yeah. seen it already. I mean, gosh, Brandon Williams has been going mm-hmm. on. Absolutely on. Yeah. But, I mean, and it's the cool part about it is that we have such cool collective effort here. People are really playing into their roles. And it's not just a collective effort. It's a super efficient effort. I mean, I... I have to input all these stats every night and see where everybody's shooting, and it is lights out as a unit. It couldn't be any better. And I know it's only four games in, Matt, but how is it feeling being out in Central Florida? How was training camp with Orlando? Just the entire process of being here, taking that all in. Yeah, it's great, man. I think um, it just, when I was in Orlando, everybody was great. I told, I told everyone from top to bottom, it was just good people, really, is what I noticed. And, um, you know, everyone's so, like, you know, everyone like cares how you're doing, you know, everyone is so personal. And that's, that was like the biggest surprise to me, you know, it's a business. So it's like, it was weird for everyone to be so personal, even like the GMs and stuff to like, be like asking how your day was and stuff. I was like, like what's going on? But uh, doesn't happen in other franchises. I mean, anyways. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying it's just, they're super, you know, personal here and uh, it's been great, man. I'm excited. I, I know it's four games in, but we got high expectations and yeah, hopefully we'll make the most of it. And I, I can agree to what you're saying. I've, I've heard from a million people before I worked here how awesome this franchise is. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like people just say that all the time because it's kind of the thing you do. You want to represent it well. But it, but it truly is an awesome franchise. Like you said, everyone makes you feel so welcome. It doesn't matter if it's Kevin, who's our GM, or Jeff Waltman, GM of Orlando. Right. Always ask how your day's going. No, they feel like they do their homework on you, and they already know who you are. Yeah. Even for someone like me, you know, it's different. I'm not a player. You're a player, so they obviously have done their homework. But couldn't be happier being here. Couldn't be happier being here with you, Mac. Thank you for spending your time with us today. You guys got a road trip coming up, mm-hmm. and uh, coming back to back's happening. But strong faith, these will be some good games over here, and uh, we're gonna bring it back on the 30th and Osceola to take on the hustle again. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Let's do it. Thank you for having me, man. Thanks for your time, man. Yes, sir.